our sponsor album book club it is a book club but you know for albums and uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter at album book club one and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop it's all over the place uh, it's a great way to discover new music I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very special episode of Animation Broadcast and Cinema, a.k.a. ABC Movie Show. Uh, This one is going to be just me alone. That's what makes it so special. Uh, Jacob is uh, with his family right now and could not get to a microphone. Uh, Nothing serious, obviously. He just, uh, you know, schedule conflicts and... This isn't our main job, so it's uh, not always easy to organize these things. But I said, you know what? Um, I got plenty of time to kill and sit and talk to myself about movies. I do that anyways. Why not do it in front of a microphone? Uh, While this is something that interests me, of course, and uh, is something I would love to do in my free time, this is actually a format that I wanted to try out. this this sort of solo um, podcasting idea, I, I, this is a good dry run for it because I think we don't we don't always get to talk about movies that we really enjoy. We've gotten to do movies that we really really like, and we tend to really like every movie that gets uh, voted on. But you know, not all of our favorite movies have been chosen yet. A few of Jacobs have, um, but. I want to try out a sort of series where you know maybe once or once a uh, ever <laughs> like once a week or maybe every two weeks or so uh, one of us gets in front of a microphone and just records 30 45 minutes talking about a film they really enjoy uh, because I think that's a good way to just spread awareness about more movies but if that's not something y'all want then please let me know if you enjoy this new format that we're testing right now. Um, also let me know because I will happily talk to myself for hours on end. Uh, that is the inspiration of this podcast. So I wanted to get started with our news section here um, and talk about this Oscars fan vote, uh, fan favorite vote uh, category that was started. Uh, it was announced on February 14th. And I'm just going to say it. It's dumb. It's not the way to save the Oscars. Uh, the the Oscars has been having problems with engagement. I think everybody knows this. The viewership is plummeting, and people aren't talking about it as much unless it's to make fun of it. And part of that is, you know, obviously it's harder to see movies right now, Um Best Picture category luckily had a lot premiere uh, online first and have a bunch moving there soon. I will cover that in a second. But um, 
besides the streaming stuff, it, it's it was hard to get to the theaters. Nothing really got people super fired up besides uh, Marvel films and franchise films like A Quiet Place and Fast and Furious. We we didn't see a whole lot of uh, box office returns for indie movies or smaller movies like Nightmare Alley that you know weren't big action movies. Uh, movies that were sort of slow burns didn't just didn't get seen. I don't think anybody besides Jacob saw Belfast. Um, and nobody saw Power of the Dog in theaters when it came out. Uh, not many of these movies have had big theatrical runs. So the idea behind this fan favorite vote is pretty much you tweet the name of the movie that you, your fa- your favorite film of 2021 with hashtag Oscars fan favorite behind it. And it'll be tallied for, you know, what, what whatever movie of your choice is. There's a whole list of movies that are eligible, but it's, you know, there's not very movies that aren't, very many movies that aren't. It's pretty much all the big movies uh, you could think of. I imagine this is to get the uh, Spider-Man, the recognition that so many people are saying it deserves. Uh, And I guess the thinking here is that they're going to, I don't know, increase engagement because people will want to see Spider-Man win an award, but this nobody's taking home a gold statue for this. This is not a true Oscar category. I think it's really going to be just a a shout out, a sideshow on the road to best picture and best actor and, actress and director so i don't understand the point of it i i think there's probably some people in the academy that are older that think oh kids love the twitter they'll want to interact with the show in this way and yes maybe but i think the way to get people engaged is to make one of these big blockbuster films a best picture nominee yes we have dune in there but Dune, while being a big blockbuster that's, you know, very, very accessible uh, and was very accessible, it's not a Marvel movie. Marvel has this power over people that I don't think the Academy wants to acknowledge. Um, I think we're past the point of Marvel being disrespected. Uh, as, you know, in terms of filmmaking, they, they've, they've had nominations for Best Picture in the past with... Uh, Black Panther, but you know the Academy still doesn't want to give them their due, and I don't think they'll stop making these movies until they do. Um, if you wanted to get Spider-Man No Way Home talked about in terms of the Oscars, I don't think the fan favorite is the way to go along with it. I think No Way Home probably should have been a Best Picture nominee. I would hate to take away from one of these movies because I think they are all fantastic at least the ones that I have seen. And um, I imagine all the others are very, very good as well. Um, I typically have not really hated anything that has ended up on Best Picture lists in the past. Uh, but you, you have to do something to get people to watch. We've had this discussion before. I don't want to run around in circles chasing my own tail. Uh, but I, I just don't think they're going about it the right way. Um, the hosting situation with Amy Schumer... And uh, Regina King is hosting the Oscars as well. And Wanda Sykes. Uh, I don't particularly care for Amy Schumer, but I love Regina King and Wanda Sykes. But I don't know if those are three names that are grabbing the younger audiences that they're trying to get. Uh, I I love the Oscars and they need to figure something out because 
I, I don't know. I don't want it to get cast by the way to the wayside as when it's this historic, um, you know, institution of film. And yeah, they're definitely not always right, but it's still fun to kind of play along. And honestly, when there's a controversy like a, a big picture nomination gets snubbed, it's better publicity for them. But we haven't really had anything like that. Uh, Green Book won in a year when it probably should not have. Uh, you know, that was a very Oscar Beatty, uh, run of the mill film. But you know, that's not getting the same. I don't know. It's not making people as upset as back in, back in the olden days, back in the day when the Oscars were really in their prime. Um, you know, that year it probably should have been Black Klansman or uh, Roma that won. I think A Star is Born got people talking. Bohemian Rhapsody got people talking. But, there, you know, I don't know if it's the state of film or the state of the Oscars because we are getting some top-tier films. Uh, but something needs to be done. I do not know what that thing is, but I'm going to sit here and shake my fist at that cloud. Um, so something I wanted to highlight really quickly today was awards we didn't really get to talk about the technical awards i mentioned uh, a costume design snub for house of gucci that i thought uh so last week i'll move on to cinematography which as we have said before is essentially just creating the feel of the world through the lens of the camera and you know, setting up those gorgeous shots that people always talk about. Um, that stuff takes real skill and real mastery. And it's cinematography is one of my favorite categories, and I want to see more people get fired up for it because I think that's a really good way to judge a good movie. I, I was very loud about saying Mank should at least win cinematography last year because I thought it built that world of everything surrounding uh, Mankiewicz and Wells so perfectly and really made you feel like you were there in that era watching this all happen. Um, the nominees this year are Dune, uh, Greg Frazier, the cinematographer there, Nightmare Alley, Dan Lawson, cinematographer there, The Power of the Dog, cinematography by Ari Wegner, The Tragedy of Macbeth, cinematography by Bruno Del Bono, West Side Story, cinematography by Janusz Kaminski. Uh, I've seen all of these, but West Side Story. I plan to watch West Side Story soon. I don't see a path to victory for any of these movies besides Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, Nightmare Alley probably had my second favorite cinematography, followed by Dune, then Power of the Dog. Not to say Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, Dune. Th th those movies are not lacking in the cinematography department at all. I think they're all gorgeous movies. You feel like you're there. But Tragedy Macbeth was shot on these sound stages and had these insanely dynamic camera movements and the way they would use like the this fog and the and the lighting to cover the clouds when they would look up at the sky and you'd have Denzel Washington moving through this fog and then a reverse shot to one witch and then back to Denzel and then a reverse shot and it's three witches all of a sudden. St subtle stuff like that. Um just made it made you feel this world so much more intensely than um really anything else i've seen this year it really felt like you were truly there um film editing 
the nominees there are Don't Look Up, edited by Hank Corwin, Dune, edited by Joe Walker, King Richard, edited by Pamela Martin, Power of the Dog, uh, edited by Peter Saberis, and Tick, Tick, Boom, edited by Myron Kirstein and Andrew Weisblum. Uh, Yeah, I don't know which way this is going to go. I don't think it'll be Don't Look Up. If I had to guess, I would say the editing would be between Dune, Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. But that's just because I haven't seen King Richard. Uh, I have no idea about the state of editing in that film. Uh, Power of the Dog... I, I, the reason Tick, Tick, Boom, I think, has such a good choice is the way it was able to move back and forth so swiftly between... Uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, you know, when he's living at the biopic part and when he's performing the play on stage, uh, I just thought was gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Uh, International feature film, we have Drive My Car from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, uh, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World from Norway. Um, So Drive My Car, I think, is running away with this one. Worst Person in the World I have not seen yet. I've heard amazing things. Uh, Flea is an animated film, actually, and I have heard rumblings that that will be the film that runs away with the animation uh, award this year. And then uh, The Hand of God is one that I love. It's an Italian film. It is gorgeous. The acting is perfect. Um it was in my top 10 of the year and you know, I don't think it's going to get it this year. I think drive my car has too much power and hype behind it, but hand of God should be on your end of your watch list. Um, music, original score. Don't look up Nicholas Bratel, Dune, Hans Zimmer, Encanto, Jermaine Franco, parallel mothers, Alberto Iglesias and power of the dog, Johnny Greenwood. I think power of the dog is going to win this one. I know there's a Hans Zimmer score there, but the score for power of the dog is so good. Um, production design with Dune, nightmare alley, power of the dog, tragedy, Macbeth, West side story. Uh, this is not, you know, a coincidence. It's with the, uh, it's the same as the cinematography nominations. Uh, I think production design and cinematography almost go hand in hand because part of creating that feel behind the camera is having a great production team in front of it. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this one went to Dune. I wouldn't be shocked if this one went to Tragedy Macbeth. I wouldn't be shocked if it went to Nightmare Alley. You know, I, 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 I can't pick between these. My guess, what my heart wants to say is Nightmare Alley because... I think the production design, especially in the carnival areas, was gorgeous. Um, I think this one might go to Tragedy of Macbeth because, once again, I think the sound, the stuff achieved on these indoor sound stages was just insane. Um, you know, I have a lot more I, I could go to. I think I'm going to save some of this for when Jacob comes back to get his takes on it. Uh, another thing I wanted to hit on was... Uh, a couple movies that I have left to see, maybe some things that I wasn't planning on seeing, but now I feel like I have to because of this, uh, the nomination. You know, I, I I think we all kind of will watch a trailer, even people like Jacob and I, and say, I just, I don't really need to see that. And then the Academy Awards come out and say, uh, and you say, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, maybe this is worth a watch. Um, 
or maybe at least I, I need to, I want to see if it really isn't for me or I want to watch it so I can get mad about it. And one movie that really did that for me is being the Ricardos. It got actor in a leading role, uh, a nomination there. It got a, a nomination, an actor in a supporting role. It got actress in a leading role, and it did not get one for actress in a supporting role. But you know, three out of four acting uh, nominations. I feel like it's one I have to watch just for the performances, and it's uh, acknowledging three people that I really love uh, in these performances: Javier Bardem, uh, J.K. Simmons. And um, Nicole Kidman are all three very, very talented actors. Um, Speaking of the acting nominations, uh, Kristen Stewart. I have been planning on watching Spencer, um, but hopefully, uh, well, Jacob hopefully uh, (laughs) wants people to watch this movie. And uh, hopefully this actress in a leading role nomination will get people to watch it. Parallel Mothers is something I plan on watching because of uh, the Penelope Cruz nomination. And um, because of the Best Picture and Actor in a Leading Role nominations, uh, I'm probably going to watch King Richard. I already watched Tragedy Macbeth. It was something on my list. But the nomination in cinematography and um, acting really hurried me along to it. Uh, I th- uh, There's nothing really left that I haven't seen that uh, jumps off to me, jumps up to me off of these nominations. Uh, but I, there are mov- a couple of movies I think I'll want to revisit before the Oscars. And one is especially Dune just cause I need to experience that again. I definitely will watch Licorice Pizza before the Oscars again, because that was my favorite film of the year. And I just need to see how it holds up. Uh, Nightmare Alley is one I will probably go back to cause that was another one of my favorite films of the year. And I will probably uh, return to The Power of the Dog one more time as well. Just because I want to see how Benedict Cumberbatch's performance really steps or holds up next to Will Smith's when I finally watch King Richard and uh, how it holds up to Denzel in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Because I think those are the, the three best performances of the year, in my opinion. And I... It's probably going to be Will Smith running away with it, but uh, I don't know. I Benedict Cumberbatch and Denzel Washington were fantastic this year, so I want to watch those three movies again uh, and get uh, a closer look at it, pretty much. Um, and then speaking of things I've been watching, uh, besides The Hunger Games, which is, of course, our film of the week, uh, I've watched a decent amount of movies, actually, uh, in the last few days since we since we spoke last, um, I rewatched the Neverending Story. I just read the book uh, for the first time, but uh, it's a 1984 fantasy film that is one of my favorites of all time. It was a huge part of my childhood. I love it. I absolutely adore it, and it's all practical effects and uh, super heartwarming story and. It's also deeply sad at parts, and you know it, it makes you feel all those emotions. It it makes you feel like you're a little kid again watching it, and um, honestly, the acting from the kid who plays Atreyu, Noah Hathaway, is pretty badass. He's a badass little kid, and uh, it's super enjoyable. I, I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, and then another film I watched this week is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Now. 
this is a dumb action movie. The Hitman's Bodyguard is a dumb action movie. And they're action comedies where Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson get to shoot guns and crack jokes. And they're stupid, but man, they're fun. This one had a bigger role for Selma Hayek, and it had Antonio Banderas playing a Greek villain, but he was speaking in a Spanish accent the whole time. Um, Morgan Freeman was in it. I'm not really going to reveal his role because I think it is... (laughs) One of the funniest uh, things I've ever I've seen uh, in the last year. It's dumb as hell. Don't go into it expecting any significant art, but these movies I think are 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 genuine and don't try to present themselves as anything other than what they are. It's not trying to trick you into thinking you're watching like a Scorsese film. You know what you're in the seat for. It's a popcorn movie. Uh, and this is the type of movie that I think we honestly, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't say we need more of these, but I would say they're essential. I don't want the state of film to be just indie movies that are nominated for Oscars and Marvel films. I think we need, well, obviously we need a lot in between, but I think an essential pillar is this action comedy blockbuster where we get, you know, these sort of hijinks between, uh, like a buddy cop situation and we get to watch you know, <laughs> movie stars, just be movie stars. I think people forget how fun it is to watch movie stars be movie stars. It, 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 it's, you know, on the silver screen watching these larger than life people uh, crack jokes and argue with each other. is It, it is hilarious. <laughs> I think there's a real, real place for it. Um, and then to finish it off, uh, my, my recently watched... Last night, after I watched The Hunger Games, actually, I watched Battle Royale, which is a 2000, year 2000, uh, Japanese film directed by Kinji Fukasaku, and it's about a class of students selected out of every class in Japan. They do this every year. They take a year of high school students out of a, out of a random school, and they have to fight to the death, and... You know, it's one of the it's it's a very similar premise to Hunger Games. You know, Japan has fallen in this state of economic collapse going into the millennium and like students started walking out of school. So then they introduced this game. I think it is a way to kind of like teach, I don't know, maybe respect to the kids. That's never really made clear why they do it. But, you know, I watched this movie to draw a comparison to the Hunger Games, which I will get to in a minute. Um but in terms of watching this movie, if you're just going to listen to this first half of the podcast because maybe you haven't seen The Hunger Games, I think Battle Royale is a fantastic film. I love Japanese film, especially Japanese action, and uh, this one holds up. It is off the walls violent, uh, so you got to have, I guess, a strong stomach. Uh, it's very over-the-top violence and very clearly fake, I think, in a lot of parts. But it's actually a pretty compelling story, and uh, I think there's a certain part of you that cares about the characters. It's not just to watch these kids get killed. That's not the point of the film. Um, I will take a quick break, and I will come back, and I will talk to you about The Hunker Games if you plan to stick around. All right, and we are back from the break, and it is time to talk about 2012's The Hunger Games. 
Uh, it was directed by Gary Ross, who we will get to in a second, but it is about Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes her young sister's place in the Hunger Games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Pan Am are chosen at random to fight to the death. Uh, it's starring Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutcherson, Liam Hensworth plays Gail Hawthorne, who's pretty much a minor supporting character in this one. Uh, Elizabeth Banks plays Effie Trinket. I think uh, everybody knows who she is. And Woody Harrelson as Hamish Abernathy, uh, the tough and grizzled mentor to Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson. Uh, this movie is critically received, I think, the way everybody would expect it to be. It's considered, you know, it's a, it's a 68, so not too high, not too low. Um, I like this review from Variety written by Justin Chang. Uh, what viewers are left with is a watchable enough picture that feels content to realize someone else's vision rather than claim it as its own. Any real cisk of risk has been carefully ironed out. The PG-13 rating that ensures the film's suitability for its target audience also blunts the impact of the teen-on-teen bloodshed, most of it rendered in quick, oblique glimpses. Whether this is the morally responsible decision is open to debate. Weirdest of all... Hunger, the one constant in Katniss hard scrabble life, barely even seems to register. Um, yeah, I, I, that's pretty much how I feel about it. It is watchable. It is not super intriguing, which is disappointing to me. Um, upon th- this was one of the movies that was a part of this massive wave of young adult fiction we got, uh, you know, in the late two thousands, early twenty tens. And I, it's spearheaded by, I think, um, Harry Potter, of course, and Twilight carried it on and, you know, the Maze Runner definitely picked it up. Uh, Divergent was a big part of it. Percy Jackson, while not dystopian, was a part of it. And so the main events, uh, the main parts of all these core books are the same. It's usually focused on, well, I would say 50-50 split between one's focused on a young girl, one's focused on a young guy. If it's focused on a girl, then there is always two guys fighting over her. If it's focused on a guy, um, he typically has a girl that is a friend, and then eventually uh, he ends up seeing her as more, and they get together. Um, Friend or an ally, maybe. And then... um, you know, it's going to be lots of action. It's going to be over dramatic with the relationship parts. And uh, the good guys are always going to win in the end. And nothing bad ever really happens. Um, even in Harry Potter, where beloved characters die, I, I, the stakes aren't always very high in those movies. Uh, you have people come back, or movies and books, you have people come back to life. And, you know, it's it's a lot. Uh of nonsense going on there. And that's about a book I love. I really, really loved the Hunger Games book when I was younger. Maybe not really loved. I was a big fan of it. But the more I've reflected on it when I was older, I think I tried to read it again uh, within the last few years. Just uh, it doesn't doesn't hold up. I think it's kind of basic and... It, it doesn't feel original, especially when stuff like that has already existed, this Battle Royale format, particularly the movie Battle Royale. Um, 
exists already. Uh, I am going to take it. I'm going to pause that because I'm kind of stepping on the pod. Uh, I do want to talk about the stars of this movie, the people I consider the stars, starting with Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson. Uh, I will say this. I think they are the best people in this movie. I think they, they, they are the only people really hamming it up the way I think this needs to be hammed up. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be dumb. Well, it's not supposed to be dumb. I won't say that. It is a young adult novel. Everybody knows that. Um, it is supposed to be over dramatic and I think overacted a little bit. Um, they are taking themselves not seriously, but they're playing into what I believe they think the world should be, especially Elizabeth Banks. She goes all in as this over-the-top Effie Trinket character. Um, and Woody Harrelson does a great job as the grouchy mentor to these two kids trying to make it out of the games. Um, so the, my shortcomings with this movie definitely don't start with them. Liam Hemsworth, uh, I wrote him down because, you know, the him, whole Hemsworth thing had kind of started with Thor and with him, and he's just such a non-factor in this movie. He's not super great in uh, in his scenes, and he doesn't, he's not, he, you don't remember he's in it. I forgot he was in this movie. I remembered everybody else but him. Uh, and then our two stars, Josh Hutcherson and Jennifer Lawrence, um... I love Jennifer Lawrence. I think she's a fantastic actress. She's been in tons of great pictures. Uh, Don't Look Up was her. She was one of the stars of that this year. I thought she was very, very good. Um, Mother, she's insane. And, you know, uh, she's okay in the X-Men movies. Um, But it does not feel like she's giving this role her all. It kind of feels like she's drifting through it. And not in a good way. Um, I don't know how you could drift through it in a good way, actually. But it feels lacking. Josh Hutcherson, I've never really enjoyed in much. Uh, when he was younger, I, I I didn't like when I. I mean, I'm almost the same age as him. I think. I think we're. I don't know. He's actually six years older than me. But you know, he was in. I think a lot of stuff that we saw when we were kids i know he was in um zathura i thought he was annoying as hell in that bridge to terabithia was by far not the best part of that movie journey to the journey to the center of the earth he was just annoying again um and in this one it feels like he's kind of playing into he's pitying himself in a way that i don't think Peta did in the book uh i think Peta was a little bit stronger than the way he played him uh, and it just, it, it, I, I have never enjoyed this movie. So I'm probably not the right person to be doing this pod. Uh, especially not if you like this movie. Um, so it feels like we've, we, we have had this story before. I will say this. I love, love is maybe a little bit of, I love the second book. I enjoy the second movie a lot more. I think the second one is actually interesting. The most interesting parts of these movies 
is probably uh, this movie in the book series is probably the actual Hunger Games. I think the first book has a fine like you know quote unquote games, but it's bogged down by you know the the basicness of it because it's something that has existed for a while. The idea of putting all these people, you know, in a big cage or on an Island and, you know, whoever is the last alive makes it out. We've, we've seen that before. And so when it comes to like, I remember, and they talk about it being the 74th hunger games and every 25, there's a quarter quell or whatever. That is something that changes up the normal rules. Um, I remember they say in Haymitch's one, uh, they double the amount of participants in it. That's something that I find intriguing. They they tease the standard one, and I guess it's because Suzanne Collins figured she was going to be able to write a sequel. They they get they give us a standard one and tease that oh if we do another one hey we might get to see one of these quarter quells and that's why I like Catching Fire more. I think the quarter quell is more interesting because it's previous winners. So you have people. It's not fair to the winners by any means. That's a whole other conversation, but. You have all these people who have made it out and know how to make it out. And a lot of them, I'm sure, have not stopped, you know, training, especially the younger ones, because I, it, it, at least it feels that way, because I think, you know, the, the, once you train so hard and you're in this life or death situation, like it's almost like a PTSD thing. And um, that feels like a bold assumption to make. But nobody but the older folk are going in there super out of shape. Um and you know, and they and everybody after becoming a winner easily could have. Uh, after you know, you 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 never want for anything again in your life afterwards. Um, you know, also in the second one, we had Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's good in that movie. I mean, he's not good. He's fine, but he's entertaining, at least, right? Wes Bentley is not very entertaining in this movie. Stanley Tucci might be the most entertaining part of this movie. He's funny in this movie. Um, Wes Bentley's just fine as Seneca Crane, the the guy who runs the games. Um, you know, it's nothing really makes me fired up to watch this movie, and that's something that uh, a movie really needs. I do like Lenny Kravitz a lot. He's fine in this movie. No problems with him at all. Jack Quaid is in this movie. Uh, this is obviously not his big break. He takes a, a arrow pretty, pretty rough from, uh, from Katniss, uh, and Donald Sutherland in, is in this movie, a legend, a, uh, an icon, I uh, I think, uh, who has been in tons and tons of good things. Uh, this is not one of them. Uh, this series is not one of them. I don't think he is a good. He, he's good as president. No, but uh, that's part of the, partly the source material. Uh, the third one is something I can't even talk, start talking about, or it's going to make my blood boil. I didn't watch the movies. I, I don't care if I, I usually say I don't pass judgment on something you haven't seen. I think I've seen the first one. I take that back. I watched half of it. Um, I couldn't finish the book. It was terrible. I ended up. I, I, I had to like. I just. I had to stop, and then I waited five months, and then I finished it. And it was awful. I hated the ending. It was bad. Speaking of endings, ending of the Hunger Games, not very good. I get it's a young adult, but uh, they don't, PETA doesn't need to live. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. And it kind of ruins like what's going on with the rest of the series. Actually, it could have made, maybe made the rest of the series better. I think 
it would have been a lot more interesting. And this is just me. Jacob told me that he had a problem with ending two, but um, or wait, no, I don't think he said anything about the ending. But um, the ending, I think, could have been a lot more impactful if she had to have killed Peta. Because then we get this thing for the next three, two books that it's actually the same thing for all three books, which is, does he actually have feelings for me? Do I actually have feelings for him? How much of this is, you know, for the games? How much of this is for the public? You know, and it's uh, it's so annoying. And oh, but what about Gale? And it's the same thing with it's the it's the Twilight thing again. And but and it bothers me. And then if you kill PETA, if you have to have Katniss kill PETA, you have her, you get to have her wrestle with that and wrestle with her feelings with for him in a much different way where she can feel guilty about having to kill him and feel like she owes his family. And, you know, maybe you, you can even get that, oh, did I really love him? Oh, shit, I might have loved him. Oh, I don't feel this way for Gail type of thing you can still have that but without Peta being like i'll be defending you no matter what like the the jacob and twilight thing or the edward and twilight thing and it's so dumb and then with the second one you if you don't have Peta there to volunteer you get her having to outsmart her well you know it doesn't actually come down to that but the fear of her having to outsmart her uh mentor the guy who trained her to fight, the guy who she trusted a ton, he gained her trust, and then now all of a sudden they are going to be forced to fight each other. and Or, you know, you put her in that headspace. It could have made the whole thing so much more satisfying and so much more interesting and make and raise all these questions that get you more invested. I don't think at least for me, those that love triangle and Peta's character served no purpose to me after that first one. He's Suzanne Collins doesn't even really use him very well. Like, I don't know if she was super interested in him. Um, another criticism that empire or variety, sorry, wrote about this movie was that it felt like a realization of someone else's vision. Gary Ross directed this. As I mentioned, he has done some weird fucking movies. Well, not weird fucking movies, but individualistic movies. Uh, one I really want to point to here is his first feature, Pleasantville. We have mentioned this before on the podcast, uh, particularly when we talked with Jacob about his film, short film, The Color of You. Um, this is a, a, a Tobey Maguire film before Spider-Man, and it's about two kids that get pulled in a, in a, into a sitcom. It's, uh, it's Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon, and, you know everything's in black and white and it starts to turn into color and these people are starting to think for themselves. And, you know, <laughs> Gary Ross doesn't do a lot of thinking for himself here. He kind of tries to adore, adopt the source material word for word. And while I think fans appreciate that, he's not able to get everything in there. Like I remember leaving thinking, Oh, I wish they had included this part of the, in the from the book or this part, you know, like, little subtleties that are going to get cut obviously so i think if he to make up for that had maybe made it more of his own it just didn't it didn't feel like it it felt like you're watching a basic cookie cutter action film and like i said it didn't feel like him and 
you know, that's just not, that's not, uh, it felt like studio overproduced. We're going to make a shit ton of money off hormonal teenagers coming to see this on the live screen. Finally, we're going to sell a million cutouts of Josh Hutcherson. Um, guys are going to be in love with Jennifer Lawrence, you know, and we're going to make a whole lot of money and, you know, great. I'm glad everybody got paid. I just, I think there is a way to execute this series that raises more questions than, than, than this one did, you know? And it, it just, I, it's so hard to articulate it because I feel like there is a great idea in there. The, the pan in stuff isn't very in depth when it comes, uh, to the first novel, which is fine. That's not the focus of it. But then it feels like Suzanne Collins drops the ball with that stuff because I don't think she like planned to go very far into it. And the whole execution of this franchise could have been done better. I is just my biggest gripe with it. And I think one big mistake was splitting Mockingjay into two parts because I don't think people cared anymore by the time that last one came out. The first movie came out in um, 2012, like I said, and Mockingjay Part 1 came out in 2014, and Mockingjay Part 2 came out in 2015. So they went 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. They nailed these out one year after another, and I don't know anybody that saw Mockingjay Part 2. None of my friends did. I'm not going to speak on the box office because I don't have those numbers in front of me. It could have been a smash hit at the box office. But in terms of my immediate group of friends and my uh, memory, it, it was, it was, uh, uh, it just wasn't good, man. You know, and I don't think people cared. That's my biggest problem with this franchise is that it took a good idea and got really lazy with it. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but it just it it feels like opportunity wasted. Um I have some notes here from Jacob. Uh he really liked when Woody Harrelson sniffed a flower in the crowd uh at the Capitol. Uh the tech in the game room is ridiculous. I don't know if he means like ridiculously cool or ridiculously over the top. I actually, that's actually something I thought was kind of cool. Um, battle Royale, they have a similar system of like, they have dangerous zones that are like designed to push the kids closer together. And the way they do that is through necklaces that will explode if they're in one of the zones for too long, I think. But I think I will say the integration of like, Oh, we're going to have, fireballs shoot at you if you're in this area like i think that's interesting and the dogs that are designed to drive them together that was something that looked cool although i remember being disappointed by those um and then something jacob said that i did not necessarily agree with is josh hutcherson is totally discount tom holland um i kind of have to disagree with that because i think josh hutcherson for one he's four years older um and for two he had that peak before I get what he's saying. Like Tom Holland, I think has the career that Josh Hutcherson maybe thought he was going to have. He was going to be this big action star. People would want him for all these projects. Uh, he would be a teen heartthrob and it just never happened. It never took off for him. Um, I, I don't 
think it's necessarily because Tom Holland came into that lane. I think it's more that these movies weren't very well loved. I know this era has like crazy fans that still go wild for these young adult novels. And like, I mean, I love the Percy Jackson novels still. I love the Harry Potter novels still. I still love Maze Runner. Um, this is one that really fell by the wayside for me because like I said, uh, it, it felt like they were putting it out to cash in on this franchise. And a lot of these movies actually feel that way. I think divergent ended with straight to DVD releases, that franchise, this, this, that's the problem with this era is Harry Potter hit. And they were like, all right, we have to put these movies out quick and we have to make a shit ton of money off of them. People want this product now. And they didn't have, they didn't take the time to care about these properties. Um, which I think is, Something we are not going to see as much anymore, actually. I think, for one, with the long-form TV shows that we're seeing in like the miniseries, I think that is going to help us see better book adaptions. I think um, seeing the way people have responded to like the care that like Marvel takes with their properties um, and adapting it right for comic book fans um, and how popular that has gotten, I think... You know, people are starting to do that more with books. Um, hopefully, any big, you know, YA series that hits, I think there's always going to be something like this that is going to be like the next big thing that studios will want to cash in on. Hopefully, they just take their time and know like fans of the book are still going to be around. They're still putting out Lord of the Rings content. We're about to get what looks like a really, really dope action, uh, live action series, and we're going to get a uh, an anime movie that's cool as hell Warner Brothers is putting out an anime Lord of the Rings series um, you know I, I don't think going 2012, 2013, 2014 2015 with these movies like yes you're getting the content to the fans quicker but if the product that you're not putting out is like something to be proud of and something that has enough care that people will really respect it, then I don't understand the point of it. Also, this is mentioned a little bit in the review, the PG 13, like it's such a brutal idea that the PG 13 takes a hit out of it. I realized that that would never happen with the market, like that they're going for an R cut of the hunger games would never ever exist. But I think, and this is something that Jacob mentioned that I agree with, the editing is terrible because it's just so many quick cuts, especially with the fighting, to keep you from seeing any amount of gore or actual violence. It's all quick as shit cuts that even now I have trouble keeping up with. So, you know, it feels weird to make movies about teenagers killing themselves, but you don't want to actually show the violence or killing each other, I should say. Um, and I'm not asking to show people beheaded. I'm just saying maybe more long shots on a fight with actual fight choreography rather than lumping a million cuts together in 80 seconds. Um, but that's just me. I'm sure people have a lot of love for this movie. Um, I imagine people aren't going to necessarily agree with my opinion, obviously, um, because these movies make a shit ton of money and have very wide global followings. Uh, and I'm probably in a little bit of the minority yelling into the abyss, like I said, shaking my fist at the cloud. 
But you know what? That's what movie podcasts are for, baby. Uh, I'm going to give this a, I don't, we don't really do ratings. I'm going to give this like a middle thumb to a thumbs down just as my rating. Cause like I said, it's watchable, but it's so, so, and it's a little boring. Um, and it kind of glosses over the most interesting parts to me. Uh, next week, uh, I guess the way, best way to categorize it is iconic teen movies. Um, we don't have a list nailed down yet, uh, especially because Jacob and I have had a busy week, but, uh, I know two movies that will be there for sure are Clueless and Mean Girls. Those I am adamant about having on there. Those are two of my favorite teen movies. Uh, I also would love Heather's on there, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Easy A is one of my favorites of all time. Um, you know, I think Jennifer's Body is a good teen movie, even though it's kind of a horror. Um, I mean, uh, we've already done American Pie. Outsiders is a good one. Um 10 Things I Hate About You is another very, very good one. Uh, there's a lot, uh, a lot that we can do here with this um, category. And so, you know, feel free to tweet at me at BoAllen22 and tweet at the account at ABC Movie Show and tweet at Jacob at JRodeer216, I believe is his Twitter. Um, and. 416 J Rodier 416 I fixed it don't yell at me Jacob um so just give us any suggestions that you would like uh, uh to see us put in the poll uh and like I said please tweet at the show if you like this format of just one person talking to you uh it will be different when it comes to us actually like reviewing um, a movie that Jacob or I select. Uh, it'll probably be more niche films. I know one that I would love to talk about by myself is Heat um, or maybe a Star Wars film, something like that. I, I, I could go all over the place with this idea. But um, if you don't mind listening to one voice and you would be down to hear us uh, try out a new series, you know, a new uh, type of show, it would still be on the main abc movie show feed uh it would just be more content for you guys more work for me but this is stuff that i love doing and we'll happily talk about movies with whoever wants to listen um rate and review us on apple Podcasts if you can unsubscribe resubscribe all that kind of stuff gets us trending in the right direction uh thank y'all for listening to me for an entire episode for those that suck around I will catch you all next time.